all season, Pittsburgh has been a plague on this podcast. It's your favorite topic. So why not one last show? All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us on the Fantasy Life app, at Important Nonsense. It is Wednesday, January the 2nd of 2019. However, confusingly enough, it is the last podcast of 2018. Wrap your minds around that. But there you go, Neil. We're closing out the year. Wrap-up show. We're here. We're we did here. it. We did it. <laughs> Fastest fantasy football season of all time. Clip something like that. Clip right through. Say, yeah, something. Uh, but. All right, Neil. Well, first and foremost, before we get into it, of course, congratulations to you on your championship in the Golden League. It. You did it. You made it. I did it. Number four. Number four. Sets the record. Cinderella story. This is unknown. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. Coming out of a gust. Tears in his eyes. (laughs) But in all seriousness, thank you. Thank you to all the people who texted me over the weekend. I appreciate that. Also, thank you, Superfan Brian. You and I, as I texted you, we cannot play a normal fantasy football game. Every time we match up, something insane has to happen. It's in the rules. So, anyway, congrats to everybody. Good season all around. And uh, I will be enjoying my time. Drunk as Alexander Ovechkin with my cup walking around for the next year. <laughs> so. And of course, you know, those of you familiar with the show know that, you know, with, with Neil winning and Brian losing. That means it continues. It's a celebration. Still holds my record. Now back back to it. It was close. Still got that one thing. I bailed you out, is what you're saying. Yeah, I bailed Steve out. Yeah. I've protected oh, yeah. Steve's only record. You fireman carried my record right out of that burning building. Well, I, I also, it. I also so kept my record going, which is the weirdest record. Championships in 2009. Yeah, the rule of threes. Yeah, the rule of threes. We talked about it last yeah. year. Yeah. It roll. It lives. The rule of threes lives on from 09 to 18. Every third year, we just keep it rolling. So there you go. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you in 2021, Neil. Yep, Congratulations. exactly. Back to the shit. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, there were a couple things we needed to get through in uh, some news, so let's run through that real quick. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it. And stats. Nerd! You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. One last time, going through the news... Starting off with the coaching carousel, we already knew coming into the weekend that the Browns and Packers were going to be looking for new coaches, but Black Monday did not disappoint this season. The Bengals, Broncos, Bucks, Cardinals, Dolphins, and Jets all also opened up their head coaching positions. A total of eight jobs up for grabs this year. So my question to you, which of these coaching openings now has the biggest fantasy impact as we head into the 2019 season? So that's the interesting one, because there's tons and tons of real football impact, obviously. But we don't care about that as much. It's just the fantasy impact. Correct. So mm-hmm. when you view it through that lens, I actually think that it's the Browns. Because you have a young QB. See if he can take the second step. That's also the one that I think is the most attractive, despite what I told you yesterday. I've been thinking about this. I've kind of changed my mind in the last day or so. I think... That's actually the most attractive real football head coaching opportunity at the moment, weirdly. But also, it's the one that has the most fantasy impact because you have usable players at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, and at tight end. And very few teams tick all the boxes. And they do. They have usable pieces everywhere. So if anybody can come in and actually, you know, get that engine running at full speed, 
we'll see what happens. I'm excited for the Browns in 2019. I think they're going to be a fun, fun team to watch if they can get somebody in there who can innovate a little bit. Yeah, it's inter- I think of this list, maybe the Jets is the least relevant. For fantasy, yes. For Would fantasy, yeah, because yeah. you only really have Sam Darnold. And we don't even know what anything else is at this point. We pretty much know Sam Darnold is the quarterback, and the rest of it's, frankly, in flux. Right. So, and then the changing offenses and everything that happens with all the coaching changes and all that. Yeah, so and then... The Packers, obviously, with Rodgers. The Cardinals with David yeah. Johnson. But those are just singular well, pieces. Well, the Packers gets a little bit more than the Cardinals. Devontae Adams. Adams. Yeah, and if yeah. they could ever figure out some sort of solution. Uh, and then Aaron Jones, I suppose. So you have, to a lesser extent. Yep, so you have true. probably Packers is two. But then it kind of falls off a cliff a bit. Broncos is an interesting one because what will they do? What will the new coaching staff want to do with some of these uh, options they have? And then what do they do in free agency? It's not like they're completely devoid of cap space. So the Broncos, I think, could change a bit, actually, given who they're going to hire. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Meanwhile. All right, Neil. All season, Pittsburgh has been a plague on this podcast. It's your favorite topic. So why not? One last show. Uh, Steve hates this Pittsburgh. topic, by All the way, season. people. You should All you don't season. get to see the pre-show t- meeting. Steve hates this topic. <laughs> we talked about Le'Veon Bell all year. Then every off season we talk about is Big Ben going to retire yep. or not because he's always flirting oh, yeah. with retirement. Now Antonio Brown once again is reportedly requesting a trade from the team. For context in this situation, the team reportedly voted Juju Smith-Schuster as the team MVP. So take that for what it is. And Antonio Brown throwing a hissy fit immediately after seems like no coincidence to me. I don't know about no, you. No, that's not that's, really that a seems, shock at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, reportedly, he missed multiple practices last week voluntarily, not for medical reasons, as it was originally reported. He was benched in the game, again, not due to medical reasons, but just a benching as a punishment. And he did not show up for his mandatory postseason exit interview, while Mike Tomlin says he has not formally requested a trade, there are multiple reports saying otherwise. Look, this is a reminder he was upset earlier in the season with his role on the team. The trade talk came up at the NFL trade deadline as well, and this was a topic on the show at that point. After restructuring his deal last season, he carries a $22 million cap hit for the Steelers next season, and they owe him $15 million in cash. If they were to trade him it would cost them 21.1 as a dead cap hit. And I have seen multiple people online in different uh, ESPN, uh, Yahoo Sports, reporting that, oh, the cap thing isn't really uh, an issue because in 2020 he won't be on the cap anymore and it's a wash, so why wouldn't you make the move? That's not really, it's a non-factor. I don't see how that could possibly be a non-factor. Color me crazy. But you're literally talking about it's going to cost you exactly the same amount of money to have him on your team or playing against your team. And unless you're going to get the moon back, why would you trade him off of your team? I mean, it's kind of a it's, it's an interesting situation. I would add on to the layers of it that what we haven't touched on yet is his weird cryptic social media post that read a lot like some of the things Le'Veon Bell was tweeting out before sitting down right and also the fact that you know they're boys (laughs) they know each other they know a lot of the same people i made the joke to you yesterday that hey maybe it works out for Le'Veon bell maybe ab just doesn't want to be in pittsburgh anymore and he wants to go get paid buku bucks to play somewhere and for someone that isn't mike tomlin in a place where he feels underappreciated i don't know i'm not antonio brown i'm not there what i do know is that to your point about the cap, the way to get around it would be to restructure his deal in some way again. You effectively re-redo the restructure and try and figure out how to navigate that that way. But it's a that, – that requires both people to want to play ball, to your point. And I don't know that the Steelers – Mike Tomlin didn't quite say this, but he stopped just short of saying, that's not how any of this works at his press conference, where he's right. like, you know, you can't just – be upset, sign a contract, take the money, then be upset that, you know, you feel underappreciated and then just not show up for work. That doesn't work that way and still and still want to be on the team. So it's just more drama. I, it's very I mean, similar to Le'Veon Bell in the sense that 
apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, they were at practice last Wednesday, and Antonio Brown wasn't getting the ball, or he was fed up with something. And some way, somehow, he stormed off the field, and he was yelling, that's it, I'm done. If they don't want me here, trade. He made some me. sort of comment to Ben Roethlisberger to that effect as well. Apparently, before storming right. off, about before feel, something to, up to the effect and of I feel like I'm not being utilized properly, and Ben Roethlisberger right. wasn't exactly. And he didn't show up on Thursday or Friday, and they benched him in the game on. Which Sunday. they classified as a knee injury, then, which was interesting. Correct. So that came out mm-hmm. later. That wasn't 100% accurate. And the reason that they did that was again in the uh, in the event that they actually won that game and went to the sure, playoffs. Yeah. So I guess I could see that. But again, it's real bizarre situation that he basically just stormed off and said, if they don't want me here, trade me. Didn't show up for a couple of days, and now the season's over for them. And we move into this weird nexus in the off season where you got to figure out what it is you're doing with Antonio Brown. Again, anyone that wants to take on Antonio Brown is taking on that $22 million cap hit because of the Unless contract. they can figure out some way off the hook on that, which, good luck. I wish you well in that. Uh, yeah, there like, really yeah you'd have to restructure it so it's not guaranteed money, and I if don't you know trade who's going to do that with or, you. It, there's, well, no, if if you trade him or cut him, it's a $22 million cap hit for the Steelers. Either way. So, like, the new team that got him would inherit his his base salary, which I think is like $7 million a year for the next three years, which isn't too bad. And then the $22 million that counts against the Steelers is the signing bonus. Yes, you'd have to... But it's a large amount of money you're guaranteeing, and they're going to want a good pickback. Well, I would think for Antonio Brown that the Steelers are going to want a one, and it's not going to be just a one. They're going to want a one and some right. stuff. And possibly two ones is, I think, something that they would want. I don't know that you could ever actually get that deal done. But it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers' mindset is, no, I want two ones for Antonio Brown. I want a 19, and I want a 2021 or something like that, just to soften the blow a little bit. But that's mm-hmm. probably they're going to be their mindset. I want two ones because I'm giving you what is, by a lot of people's metrics, still the number one receiver in pro football. So it's like right. it's kind of like trying to trade Calvin Johnson. At a certain point, it's like, is it even doable? Who would take him? And then, you know, he's got no real leverage in where he wants to go. So, like, where do the Steelers feel comfortable sending you? Like, somewhere far away from them, I can tell you that. So, probably the NFC. And I don't know who in the NFC has the money or the inclination besides the Niners. Okay, I'll give you the Niners. The Niners is a fair one. But beyond that, I mean... I don't know. Like, if you had to trade him within the AFC, you could right. go approach the Jets about this idea. You only have to deal with it periodically. But, right, like, that's 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 probably something you could do because they have the money and the time and the inclination. Maybe the Jets just get them both. They get Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and pay them both maxes. <laughs> and they just sure, reunite, reunite them and yeah. build the system and Sam Darnold wins an MVP. Sure. <laughs> like, so it's... Well, oh, by the way, before we move off it, I wanted to ask you this question because we'll touch on it later. But Antonio Brown for next season then, given this little temper tantrum and storm off and them being out of the playoffs and us probably not going to be – well, we'll probably get information but not good information throughout the offseason about this. So what do you want to do with Antonio Brown for next year? Just today. If you had to make a decision today, off your hip. Because for me, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, how scared. could you not be? Especially with what we saw happen with Le'Veon Bell. I don't know that I want to go through Look, this. Look, coming into like... the year, I went Hopkins 1, Antonio Brown 2, Michael Thomas 3. Uh, and then we talked about this before. At number 4, it was Julio. And then 5 was Devontae Adams. Yep. That was my top 5. And that pretty much panned out. It was out. pretty close. Yeah. It was pretty close. Pretty close. Um, at this point, Juju worked his way into that top five conversation. And if Antonio Brown isn't there, he may just take that well, position. Well, Tyreek Hill had not? a monster season in the most ridiculous way possible. It's too inconsistent. No, I know, I know. But my is. point is, I by know. the numbers, that's the argument you're going to get from Twitter. Yes. 
you understand that. Like, that's the argument people are going to make. It's numbers are numbers. It's the argument for Tyreek Hill every year. I know, but is, it's, is that, look at all the 50s. This year he outscored everybody. It's <laughs> all 40s. So it's just, it, it, it is, it is hey, what look, it is. To be like, fair, it's the same argument we're going to use for Derrick Henry winning that yep. battle. Justifying <laughs> all the hype. Yep. Yeah, Maybe absolutely. So, yeah, we can't. who are we to sit here and make the argument in reverse against people? It doesn't really, we're not, that's a straw right. man at that point. So, no, it's a, that's a tough one. But yeah, that was the one that we weren't quite correct on because he was w- way more productive. But that just segues into the Mahomes conversation. But for me, it's almost like we got to knock Antonio Brown down a bit because the risk coefficient just went way up on the statistical model. I mean, if you're telling me now that there's a chance Antonio Brown is not playing in 2019 because he gets into a Le'Veon Bell style, you know, bleep measuring contest with the league and the Steelers, man, Antonio Brown has a lot of money already. If you're telling me right now I have to select my keepers going into yeah, next season yeah. and I got to keep Antonio Brown for a first yeah. round pick, I'm probably not yeah. doing that. And that's unfortunate I for have a no lot idea of people. Who he's I agree with you. For. I agree with you. I'm not doing it. And I that is frustrating as 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 all get out, but there is I, I can't I can't justify the risk model anymore. The whole point of Antonio Brown, where we've seen him have success is with Ben Roethlisberger specifically in Pittsburgh specifically. And then we've seen what happens just when you take Ben Roethlisberger away. Now, granted, it's backup yeah, quarterbacks, exactly. but you're telling me that this guy is going to be playing in Jacksonville next year. That's a terrible example. Actually, I regret it immediately as saying it, but they don't have the money. <laughs> they don't even have close to the money for this little experiment. But if, I know but if he's going to end yeah. up playing in a, for a, for a, a lesser team, yeah, it, you know, with a worse yeah, quarterback. Yeah, what we've talked about before. It, it's what my whole argument was for Hopkins in the preseason, is the fact that I don't care who the quarterback is. If something crazy happens, yeah. Hopkins is still Everybody except be a Brock Osweiler has out. figured this out. You just right. throw Whereas the ball to Duke Roethlisberger and you win. goes down, we've seen in the past, Roethlisberger goes down, you have to bench yeah, Antonio Brown. He's you can't let even you start down him. in the playoffs before for this reason. So I'm not paying a first-round pick. I'm not paying a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. Like, not not without right. knowing that, no, the uncertainty model is too high. So, no, no, we have to we have to start readjusting. So that's going to be a hot topic as we get closer to the actual season. But just if you own Antonio Brown in some sort of dynasty or keeper league and you counted on that for a long time, this is bad for you. That is a perfect segue right there. We'll just go right from that, going a little out of order from usual, into the questions we got from you guys this week for our Dynasty and Keeper questions heading into next season for those that need to make your early choices right now. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. Or busts. You make any kind of mistake and boom! Players to start. That'll face you trust or what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30! Alright, Neil, here we go. Full point PPR. Have to choose two. Round does not matter. There's no penalty here. It's just keeper. Uh, So Alvin Kamara... Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon. Which two do you want? Uh, I want Alvin Kamara and Melvin Gordon, please. Uh, So this will segue us into another talking point here. So Melvin Gordon, I think clear-cut, yes. Joe Mixon, we don't know what the offense is going to be. And I have concerns around Drew Brees and Sean Payton and all those other things with Alvin Kamara in the offseason. We are talking about the fact that uh, Andy Dalton can be cut for nothing. And they could start over at QB. With a new coach. With a new coach, because they're going to have a new coach finally. And then, as I have said multiple times, if the Saints were to win the Super Bowl, it is entirely possible Drew Brees and Sean Payton ride off into the sunset as winners. Correct. And it's a whole new coaching system, and it's a whole new quarterback. Mark Ingram may or may not be and there. And Mark Ingram is gone. There's no way he's back. I would think he'd be back, no but way. they may offer him $110 billion, but we'll see. That's Mark the... Ingram is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I would think Mark Ingram wants to think... go get paid and get a real job to himself. Not only that, I think it would be a case, as you say several times, if they offer me one penny more, I am going there. 
instead yeah, of yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's my famous. It's yeah. All it would take at this point is yes, I have so be, little loyalty to you that it would take how one much penny. Sean Payton has hated yes. him there. Remember, before Alvin Kamara, there was a time they got Tim Hightower off his couch to come steal oh, carries yeah. away from Mark Ingram. They oh, hate yeah. Who Mark was – help me out. Help me out. So, Who was the other Saints running back before Mark Ingram when they had to split time back at the beginning of Mark Ingram's career? Because – You mean other than Tim Hightower? Before Tim Hightower. It was the gentleman before Tim Hightower. Is the Darren name. Sproles. Yeah, but there was a third guy as well. They even had a uh, – I want to say it was – they had a third guy for a while as well. They didn't even trust Mark Ingram when they drafted him. I know it was Ingram and There's Sproles, a... and then they let Sproles go, and everybody thought it would be Ingram by himself, There's... and they brought in Tim Hightower right. off the what couch to that? steal carries away. It was away. before that. Uh... I don't remember. I will look this up. Continue on, because I am going right, to— You go ahead. But again, I believe Mark Ingram's gone, and if they win the Super Bowl, Breeze and Peyton could be gone, and then they're starting from scratch. And then, as you talked about in the preseason, yes, Alvin Kamara can put up huge numbers, but he can also be destroyed. If you give him the entirety of a workload in the backfield, with his frame, with how he's built, he can be broken in half and and ended. By the way, quickly. Pierre Thomas so it's is a scary Pierre Thomas is the name Pierre I was Thomas struggling with, up, yes. and he wasn't. They made him share. So. Here's the thing. I think they actually like to run a two-back set, and I think whoever comes in there, if Sean Payton leaves, is mm-hmm. probably going to pick up the old Sean Payton playbooks that are laying around and go, okay, well, we might do this because <laughs> this worked. So we might, and I, you all know it, right? Okay. It's never I, the I same. Mean, I agree it's with you. I believe it is Kamara and Gordon because at this point, this early, you're, you're really picking on just yeah. talent. If I had to pick today, I'm picking Alvin Kamara, and I'm picking Melvin Gordon, and I like Joe Mixon fine. But Joe Mixon is not worth a first-round pick, and both Melvin Gordon and Alvin Kamara are. And there you go. Pick three. Half-point PPR. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, Todd Gurley, Zach Ertz. Keepers go to the bottom of next year's draft class. Keepers go to the bottom. So anyone you keep automatically is picked in rounds 14 through 16. Okay, so they just cycle to the back. All right, fine. So it doesn't. So there's no penalty. So you can no keep penalty. any three. So it, again, same thing. So no penalty, penalty basically. So, I would keep probably so the I would best keep three. Gurley, right? So that would be Gurley, Camara, and then what are my other options? It's between Delvin Cook. I think it's e- it's either Thielen or Ertz. Yeah, I don't it's want not Delvin, Delvin Cook. Cook. That's for sure. It's either Thielen or Ertz. You're correct. And that's an interesting one because that's close. I think I might go Ertz slightly. I know Thielen had an excellent year, but. Ertz because of the position That's scarcity. That's kind of my thought. I, I could get. I had Alvin Thielen very high. I was very happy with how close I was with with him, uh, where he shook out. But he was number one overall. I get that. But then it all kind of fell apart like a cake in the rain. So I think I go Ertz just because of the overall posi- positional scarcity. But also it's a comparable. Yeah, he's one of three guys. It's a comparable position, floor so. even though, which is which is what sways it even further. Yeah. So I think I'd go Ertz there. Gurley, Kamara, Ertz. I agree. Uh, pick three. Uh, he can have Nick Chubb in Probably the 15th. Probably enjoy your title. God, wow. <laughs> uh, Nick Chubb in the 15th, George Kittle in the 12th, Aaron Jones in the 11th, Geis in the 17th. And then he lists other guys, but I don't think okay. any of them are worth so, it. Half did he point say PPR. how many? One? Three. Three of them. Okay. So it's Chubb in the 15th, Kittle yeah, in the 12th, say, Jones in the 11th, Chubb or Geis in the 17th. The, so who do you Chubb throw back? Chubb is probably on the list. I'm keeping Chubb uh, at a 15 because you're not getting anything close to that kind of return on investment. Like, and then it, in the, to, for just for context, in the 17th, he also lists – in the 17th, he can keep Spencer Ware, Mitch Trubisky, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Anderson. I don't want any of those. Nor do I. And it's half-point PPR. I, I believe Geis in the 17th is a steal. Yeah, that's... Chubb is a must-do Chubb. Chubb, in the 15th. Chubb, we agree. Chubb for sure. I think Kittle in the 12th I'm, is a must-do because, like we talked about, scarcity. the uh, yeah. position so it's Chubb so and Kittle for sure. You're doing so, so do I want to pay up for Aaron Jones in the 11th or take a shot on Geis in the 17th? And that, about? to me, is a personal preference question because it would depend on how I feel about Jones 
It would depend on how I feel about uh, the Packers' new coach, and it would depend on how – I hope I'm not making this decision today because I'm more than happy to lock in Chubb and Kittle today. But I kind of want to wait. If I have the option, I'd love to wait until through the offseason to make my decision on the last spot. You know what I mean? But if I had to make uh-huh. it today, I think – this is so hard because I, I think don't, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. I think I'm Jones taking Aaron Jones because it's, it's the proven, it's, it's a proven commodity. commodity. It's guaranteed. And what I don't like about guys right now, which is a minor thing, but maybe not, Adrian Peterson. That's my. He's well. I he know. Had a but what deal. if they resign him? That's my concern. Is if they sign him another one-year deal, he may not take it because he wants to be the guy, and they may tell him no, or they may say. We believe in guys, so they may not. You know what I mean? They may say, okay, we'll do Adrian Peterson right. for one more year, and guys can ride the pine. That's what scares me there. I want clarity there, if possible. But see, Geis in the last round oh, is so Oh, it's so – no, it's so attractive. If I could keep another guy, it's Geis. Here's what I want to know. Like you said, I would want – if if I can get it closer to next year, that'd be great. If I have to make that decision now, it's Jones because I know what Jones exactly. is. Exactly. I know what I'm paying for. The closer we get to the preseason, the more likely I yeah, am to take Geis. Especially Geis, if so. I find out AP's not playing there anymore, and then we get to the preseason and Geis right. is crushing – I'm, I'll be so happy. Well, like, it's it's not even that. I honestly feel that all the models and projections and everything that we use are going to have Jones and Geis in the same general area. Back-end RB2. Mid-range to back-end yeah, RB2. Yeah, because there's going to be I some like uncertainty around be... Jones again because we'll see how they draft. Right. And we'll see who the new coach is. And, and we'll, the the coach. Coach. we'll see who the, the new, new coach, coach is. Yeah. So I can't imagine. So I think they're basically going to be going in the fourth and fifth round, both of them. So if I want to redraft either one, I'm going to have to spend a fourth or fifth round pick. I might as well get the value in Geis and take a shot on a guy getting a six-round value there and then redraft Jones in the fourth and end up with both of them anyway. Right, and if I can wait and make that decision, the the longer I can wait, the more likely I am to take Geis. If you're telling me my keeper selection is one day, then I'm taking Aaron Jones. That's just the way it's going to be. Correct. Half point PPR, Juju in the fourth or Sony Michelle in the seventh. I'm going Juju yeah, all day, every day. As Juju I talked about, be... I think he has creeped into the top yeah. five wide receiver conversation. And as I mentioned, that you I can never trust New England running backs. And everybody was all over the Sony Michelle game in the preseason. And I'm like, look, you gotta calm it down because they still love Rex Burkhead. He's still going to be there. He's still going to be a factor. And then James White, and everyone wanted to talk about James White. I told you, it was only because Sony was injured and Rex Burkhead was on IR. And what happened when Burkhead came back from IR? They kept feeding him the ball. And he just, he didn't even have fantasy value himself. He just cratered everyone else's. So it's just, it's a three-headed monster that as long as Bill Belichick is the coach in New England, it's never going to change. I don't want any of it. It's a great value seventh round pick. You'll never get him back for a seventh round well, pick, yeah. Just because people and that's love the name, because he he was RB thirty three. So that's people yeah. are going to keep paying the the price tag for something that isn't really that's a PPR number, there. by the way, folks. Maybe it's different standard, but in on this show, as we always talk about, we do PPR. So yep, thirty three, not great. 147.1 points, and we recommend you play in decimal scoring. It's just better. Uh, general philosophy question. What site would you recommend using for your dynasty league to start a dynasty league? You can use whatever site you want. It's all your personal preference. Literally any site out there right now will yep. give it to you. Most of them will. Um, when people hear dynasty, they assume that means something different from keeper, but it really doesn't. What dynasty means is basically you have to keep more than half of the league. Uh, so if it, if you're in a league where you have, say, 20 roster spots, at least 10 of them have to be keepers for it to be technically called a dynasty league. You have to keep half of your roster from year to year and then rebuild with rookies and through free agency. So what you would do when you set it up, you can even do it on ESPN if you prefer ESPN or Yahoo or any of the main major sites out there. I know a lot of people talk about sleeper.com. Yep. I haven't used it, but I hear a lot of stuff talked about that one. I have too. Seems that to be seems decent. to be a decent one. Stay. I would stay away. What I've heard negatively, but I've never used, but I've heard a lot of negative reviews around NFL and their tools. So I would stay away from NFL, yeah, that's true. and I would stay away from Yahoo as a personal thing. But uh, I yeah. prefer CBS. You have to yeah, pay so I wouldn't for. Yeah, I CBS. I still think ESPN is the best. It can be frustrating at times, 
but I but I yeah, still all think you do ESPN is you is go in, you set the number of uh, you set the number of players per roster, you set the number of keepers that you hold from year to year, and then when you're doing draft, you can do entire player universe as redraft, or you can do rookies only, and you set it to rookies only, so that when you draft, you can only draft rookies onto your teams, and then you can pick up free agents as you go. And then there are also things like realitysports.com, which have an interesting concept. It's another one. It's a premium site where you pay, but uh, you can do, like, contracts, do, like, three-year deals with players depending on where you draft them and how you do it, and you have to worry yeah, about a salary, a salary cap. cap. I've heard about that. Yeah. It, it, you basically become a, a general manager of a team, which is an interesting concept as well if you want to go You do that for years in bed. It. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, better for half-point PPR dynasty, James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster? Ooh, that's that's a close one. Uh, I'm going Juju because, again, I anything PPR, half-point or full, I always lean wide receiver. Also, as I said, he's working into the top five in the conversation. I can rattle off seven or eight running backs I'd rather have than James Conner. Well, I don't know if I could get to seven or eight, and as, but I could get... I could get and as we've talked first. about... Or at least as I keep pointing out, because people don't want to listen for some reason, top end of wide receiver is a lot more consistent and reliable when you're projecting out from year to year than running back. Because with wide receiver, targets can translate very easily into production and volume and the amount of points that you put up in fantasy. It's easier to project out. You can project a ton of carries for a running back. But if their offensive line gets injured and hurt and they can't run anywhere, it doesn't matter. You can lead the league by a 100 carries, but if your O-line is awful and you get hit in the backfield on every carry, it doesn't matter. So it, it's a lot easier to project out who's going to be a top-tier wideout than it is running back. It's a lot more stable position, and while it's easier to replace wide receiver than it is running back, I always trust... Uh, picking a wide receiver early more than I do. Well, also, back. as we point out every year, there's always a handful of running backs that become available throughout the season on the waiver wire. So you just got to put yourself in position. A la James Conner. A la a lot of people. Like, we could... <laughs> Philip yeah, Lindsay. I could, I could literally go through it. Jalen Samuels, even, when James Conner went down. Yeah, so it becomes the whole, the whole thing. So, no, I think you got to go Juju on this one. Also, because... We just got done explaining to you that Antonio Brown is having a diva temper tantrum. If I own Juju Smith-Schuster and I can have him for a reasonable value, I'm doing a jig today. I'm feeling great about my life because I don't think Big Ben is going to retire. Because at this point, it's the boy who cried wolf. So until you retire, yep. nope, I got burnt this year on, on that. And no thank you, not getting burnt on that again. So it's a uh, it's Juju all the way, baby. Got to gotta go get on that. Also, you can replace James Conner. Another philosophy question. Uh, when you're drafting in a dynasty league, better to load up on young QBs, running backs, or wide receivers? And the answer, again, for me is There's wide no debating receivers. this. There's math that backs this up. There's yeah. actual math. You can look this up. Correct. That's a, it's wide receiver because you can have them throughout the entirety of their career. And if you hit a Julio Jones early, you just get paid out forever because they play much longer and they can play at a higher level for longer. And well, honestly, here it, 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 when you look at the numbers, a, a good running back, his prime is what seven to eight years. Wide receiver is about twelve to fifteen. A good quarterback, yeah, twelve to to seventeen. Yep. Right? If you nail one of the really you good nail ones. Peyton Man, yeah, correct. So you're gonna get long, uh, much more longevity out of quarterbacks, but typically you can only start one of those anyway. So if you hit on one quarterback, good for you. Why do I need to stash a whole bunch of them and make trades and, and make other headaches for myself? But more importantly, if I can stash a bunch of young wide receivers, as you said, you can hold them longest on your team. You typically have to fill the most starting uh, positions with wide receivers or in a flex with a wide receiver, especially for playing PPR. It's a lot more valuable to have a wide receiver than it is to have anything else. So... Yes, I would always, always, always stack up on wide receiver because, again, you can get guys like Juju and Adam Thielen in the rookie drafts that people aren't paying attention to, and they can sit on your bench for a year, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, they're a top 10 guy, which can occasionally happen with running back, but it's more rare to hit on a running back that is consistent and has a long 
productive career out of nowhere. Yeah, you know what I mean? no, it is because that just doesn't happen. Normally, they come in and establish themselves and get out of, and get going because the shelf life is so low because you take that many more violent collisions at running back. I mean, it's just the way of it. So that's why also it makes sense for Le'Veon Bell to be like, yo, I'm in like 40 car crashes a game. Can I get some more money, please? Right. So it sort of makes sense. But no, I would totally be loading up on wideouts unless I'm in a position where I you can see it in the draft. You know what I mean? Like Andrew Luck. That would be the area where I'd be like, OK, well, if I have my opportunity to get Andrew Luck, then I'll take that because I can potentially have that for like an obscene amount of time. So maybe not the best example, but. You know, something like that would be the exception to the rule. But otherwise, I want to get a nice young, get get good whiteout. Uh, all right, so here's another, you know, roster building question. Uh, he's already keeping DeAndre Hopkins and Tyreek Hill. He's got Mike Evans with his third and final keeper. Should he keep Mike Evans holding three wideouts and then build everything else or try to give himself an advantage at another position by keeping Derrick Henry or Chris Carson instead? Hmm. Interesting. So he's saying he's got two top flight wide receivers already. Got, Does he want a third top flight wide receiver and then take his chances yeah, yeah. on getting running backs? Or does he want a solid RB2 to go with his two wide receivers and just fill in wide receiver yeah. three? And I would rather just dominate the position. I think I would take Mike Evans because I feel Evans. so good yeah. about it. Because I'm just going to have my two wide receivers and my flex or my three wide receivers, depending on your format, just locked and loaded. And then I can I can figure out running back in the draft, especially if it's really all I have to draft. I have to nail running back in the early rounds. I can do that. <clears throat> that shouldn't be that bad. So and then you got to just be diligent on the waiver wire throughout the year, looking for replacement running backs and picking up depth wide receivers. No, I think that's probably the way to go there. This is an interesting one, and it's going to be one we hear a lot this off season. Is James Washington a must add in dynasty? I, I would I would think probably. so. I mean, Cause some, Cause if you Antonio said Brown is out, probably. yeah. If some if Antonio Brown's out, someone is going to be on the other side of Juju Smith-Schuster. And James Washington has all the tools to be a top-flight wide receiver, so it's definitely possible that he would have a lot to produce and could put up big numbers well, as soon as next year. I just don't see them getting he rid of Antonio Brown. Crushed by Ben early in the season, and then was getting praised by Ben for his improvements down the stretch. So. I would think that that's there's a there's every chance that he would be the next man up. So in dynasty, yeah, probably worth a roster spot in just about every dynasty league. In dynasty, you have to hold them yeah. anyway. You have to take a shot on young wideouts. Yep. You got to let them about. try and find their way. And he is in a position, especially if Antonio Brown either sits out or is successful in forcing his way out, or who knows with that. It, that that is a as we discussed. That's a that's not good for anyone who wins Antonio Brown. So I'd be looking at the other skill position players for sure. All right, last one. Uh, Sony Michelle in the 11th or Kenny Galladay in the 10th? Two guys that started out pretty yeah. hot at the beginning yeah, of the year. a lot of hype fizzled. and then kind of came crashing back down. Uh, what's interesting to me about Kenny Galladay is the fact that uh, Golden Tate hurt him, which we thought it would help, but what really crushed his value was Marvin Jones yeah, going to IR be the only and guy. Kenny Galladay no, being yeah. the only he guy do it with left. Bruce Ellington and TJ Jones. That wasn't that wasn't happening. So Marvin Jones will be back at 100% next season. Because of that, I think Kenny Galladay reverts not quite to as dominant as he was in the beginning of the year, but he'll have another year in the system, another year working with Matt Stafford, now a more prominent role, a full off season to get him involved in that more prominent role with Golden Tate gone. I think he has legitimate wide receiver three, maybe back end wide receiver two potential if he gets the right amount of For value. For a ten, I think you can't go wrong with that. I think that's that's a, there's some. It'd be him for an or, eleven, and then Sony. Oh, it was for a okay. 10, I had that so. reverse. Oh, an eleven, even better. So there's even more meat on that bone for me. Good. No, so I will right, take exactly. that. I'll do that in a PPR league. He's the better value. I'll do overall, that in a PPR league all day, every day, because I think he might have every chance. You want to know what I think Detroit does? I think they draft a receiver. In the offseason. And we'll see what happens. They're either going to draft or they need another guy. They need a slot guy, I feel. Because they have TJ Jones, but is he going to be your... Well, they could sign someone. Could, We've talked about, too, how wide receiver has a lot of names there's gonna out be, there that are Yeah, there's going to be some names. More than yeah, there's going to be some names. So we'll see what they do. But I think that's actually borderline a good thing for him. Because when we saw what happened, it's the Tyler, same thing with Tyler Boyd. They, they're good players, 
they're not transcendent players. They can't just dominate right. an entire defense because they're so talented. You know, they're just not that good. But they're still very talented guys, and they will help you win your league. Like, they're, they're good names to know, both those guys, frankly. But, yeah, I would totally do that, and I would throw Sony Michelle back. Yeah, I agree. All right, so there we go. Let's close out, Neil, the show and the year 2018 with some end-of-season awards and our look ahead to 2019. First of all, comeback player of the year in fantasy. Who you got? My man, Happy June, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck won a bunch of people fantasy titles this year, yes. myself included. Uh, I love that big, goofy guy, his ridiculous book clubs and Confederate old-timey Civil War. It's not even Confederate. I shouldn't say Confederate. Civil War-timey Twitter account. He's got to be the comeback player of the year. From all the things that came out about him getting hurt and snowboarding and thinking about retirement and coming back to take his team to the playoffs, a team that isn't good, mind you, not really. Well, like, they have a couple okay players, but eh, pretty suspect once you get a little bit down the depth chart. So for me, it's Andrew Luck and uh, just what a, what a great, awesome, yeah, it depends. I would agree with that, uh, that it depends on what you would consider comeback player of the year. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think, would also fall into that category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A guy who was a uh, top, you know, if not a top 10, it's certainly a top 15 pick last year at wide receiver and was a major bust and has come back to have an, a big comeback year this year. Uh, you could also talk about a guy like George Kittle, who came pretty much out of nowhere uh, last season having a real down year, and now we're talking about him as a top three Probably tight end three. going forward. Probably the number three so, tight end coming into next year if we had to rank it today. Uh, but the guy I'm going to go with was the guy that kind of shocked me with the season he had just because I kind of – I we follow this extremely close, Neil, and this number shocked me. So we all know about the season that Pat Mahomes had, and he set the, the record for most QB points all time. The number two quarterback this year, do you know who it is? I think it's Matt Ryan. It is Matt yeah, Ryan. I looked this up the other day. Not only was the number two, not only was the number two quarterback this year, but his season was the 14th best all time in quarterback fantasy points. Think about that. The amount of points he put up this season, and it gets completely overshadowed by Mahomes. Remember, he was the number one quarterback in fantasy two oh, years yeah. ago. There so was so much hype last season, and he fell off the face of the earth. I told you to beware of that, that he was just going to fall yeah. off, and sure enough, he did. He wasn't even a top 20 quarterback nope, last season, terrible. and to come out of nowhere and have the 14th best quarterback season of all time this year after the atrocious season he had last year, and in a season that nothing went right for the Falcons, and really, you could have had Matt Ryan for a song. I mean, you could have drafted Matt Ryan and Pat Mahomes in the 10th oh, yeah, and 11th absolutely. round this year, absolutely. back-to-back, if you wanted it, so... I will say this, too, about uh, yeah, Matt so Ryan. Yeah, so comeback player of the year, I'm going to go remember, with Matt Ryan. Remember, we're going to go back in the Wayback Machine to four years ago when Kyle Shanahan took Ooh, over too far back. Took over uh, <laughs> in Atlanta, and Matt Ryan was god-awful because yep. he didn't learn the playbook properly. And then the next year, they went to the right. Super Bowl. And then the year after that, new uh, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, thank you. Took, Steve Sarkeesian over. took over. Terrible. Didn't know the playbook. Couldn't call the plays properly. Second year of Sarkeesian team was terrible. Matt Ryan lights it up because he knows what he's doing and he knows all the reads and he can do it. By the way, the Falcons fired all of their coordinators across the board uh, yeah. in this offseason and retained Dan Quinn. So uh, great season by Matt Ryan. I, I, I completely could understand how you'd get to comeback player of the year with that. Terrible news for Matt Ryan 2019 campaign. <laughs> Ter- well, also terrible the fact news. that with- also, the fact with him, like the argument you can make for Luck too, that you didn't even mention, was uh, the way he spread the ball around. Oh, to everybody, the sheer amount of the amount attempts. of people that got to touch the ball in that, the and then the same thing with Matt insane. Ryan. His his safety blanket his whole career has been that running game, and Devonta Freeman went down in what week one? Yeah, didn't even play. He, he came back for a, briefly for one more week in, in the middle of the season, and that was it. You were rolling. And now Kevin Coleman is going into free agency, Cole. which will be a big big name to see uh, where he lands as well but uh, there's so much turmoil in that backfield and what was going on and julio jones on and off the field and 
uh, just for what he was able to accomplish, I think was pretty interesting. Uh, I really had a nice year, season. You know. Yeah, it's a segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. Rookie of the year, my guy, Philip Lindsay. What a run! Ooh, off the board, just I a, like it. Just a blistering undrafted. pace, undrafted, and the only guy talking about him was me, the recently yeah. fired Vance Joseph. So, the look, what a success story. We all know it. Played at every level of Colorado football from peewee all the way to pro. You know, one of, like, he was 40 yards short of setting the rookie rushing record by an undrafted guy. Made the Pro Bowl, you know, outperformed Royce Freeman. Not really Royce Freeman's fault. Sorry, Royce. But, but I was telling you in the preseason, you got to. If you're looking at Royce Freeman and putting in that kind of investment on Royce Freeman, you got to know about this guy, Philip Lindsay, because to a lot, he didn't get any coverage because he didn't get to go to the combine. And the only people that knew about him were people out here. Cause I was talking to people who've lived here their whole lives and they were like, Oh yeah, that guy, you should see his tape from when he played high school football where he just breaks everyone's ankles. And then you can watch him do it at uh, Colorado buff football, which by the way, it doesn't get national run anymore. <laughs> they haven't been good. So it's a, for me, it's Philip Lindsay. I think he's got to be the rookie of the year, but I've seen some debate on this because there seems to be an expanded definition of what rookie actually means. But for me, it's Philip Lindsay. Yeah, that's interesting because I think this is a matter of the hype train uh, working against Saquon because what he did this year in his rookie that's season. Fair. This is all fair, by the way. The Saquon argument, I will and, hear. It is legit. You can come Sa- at me Saquon with this. Barkley could this. very easily be rookie of the year oh, yeah. because the numbers he put up were phenomenal. He was a top five running back. He was projected as a top five running back, but I think that's what hurt him here is the fact that he was projected to be top five, and yeah, that's where he finished. Like if he finished his number one, maybe you would say, oh for yeah, sure, he was the Todd best. Early, he could sure, be MVP. Sure. Like, but you had to spend a first round pick on Saquon Barkley this year if you wanted Saquon Barkley. I'm going with Baker Mayfield. The guy that was our regular on the waiver column this year, the guy that you could have off of the waivers pretty By much the way, at any point you in the season. Wrote like seventeen th- waiver columns about Baker yeah. well, with a poem uh-huh. at the beginning of each one about Baker Mayfield is the truth. Like <laughs> we'll light the way for you. And yeah. Like typically, as we said, the hype on rookie QBs and rookies in general is so large that you never get an opportunity to grab these guys. And then, voila, here's Baker Mayfield, who is this revelation in the league that is throwing the ball, that can run with the ball. He's making unbelievable plays week in and week out, putting up huge numbers, and nobody wants him. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'm going with our guy, Baker. Look, Philip Lindsay, I think, is a legitimate one. I think... If he had played a full season, Lamar Jackson would have a legitimate yeah. case oh, yeah, to put in there. And if that, just my ba- and again, as you talked about with the Browns being the number one job, if it wasn't for Baker Mayfield, my pick would be Nick Chubb. Yeah. When you look at the numbers on a per-snap basis, great. on a per-carry basis, great. Nick Chubb was the number one running back in the league this yeah. year. Not Todd Gurley. Not Zeke Elliott. Not Alvin Kamara, not David Jones, not any of the usual suspects. When he got the job to himself, when they kicked Carlos Hybe and, and Hugh Jackson to the curb, and Nick Chubb became the guy, he was the number one per carry back in the league this year. Uh, that's why I think the future is so bright for him, and, and I think he had a real argument, but the Bake Show is the guy I'm going with. So uh, MVP, Neil, who you got? <sighs> one of our worst calls. Of 2018, Patrick Mahomes. Gotta be. Because he broke Peyton Manning's. He broke Peyton Manning's record for fantasy points from 2013, which is a number that I didn't think we would ever get past. Maybe naive me. Or because Peyton Manning and the rose colored spectacles come out. But the, uh, the only thing I can say here is it's gotta be him. 50 touchdowns! He was spectacular. He's throwing no look this, passes. Uh, this is as another much as one. I hate it. With... He was amazing. <laughs> like, he was amazing. This is another one with the hype train. Where, I mean, has there been a player more dominant than Todd Gurley in the last five, five years? years? I don't think so. Probably not. If we expand it out, I can give you some names, but but no. I, I mean, the but again, the fact that he missed the last two games yeah, of the season, one of which is definitely the championship in whatever league you yep. play in, whatever format you play in, you, 
You lost Todd Gurley for the title game, which certainly hurt him. And then Mahomes, just the consistency and the fact that you could get him so late in the draft and you could hold on to him so much later and you were probably expecting basically nothing from him because I know I certainly was. And for him to come out and put up these numbers. Now, as I have said before, is it the prettiest looking thing? No. It's it's high school football to the max. He's thrown... He's thrown 50 touchdowns this season, and of those 50 touchdowns, there were about six or seven of them that I could say, wow, that's a throw no one else can make. It's A lot of his touchdowns are, here. well, here's a five-yard pass to Tyreek Hill that he breaks 14 tackles and scores a touchdown. Before the drama, here's a screen pass to Kareem Hunt who can run 50 yards for a touchdown. So he's not suspended. It's... Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's it's things like that. Like he heaves the ball downfield in a hail mary, and someone comes down with it. It's nothing that you, it's spectacular to write home about. But results or it's, are results. Or it's hey, it's and Travis Kelsey, six yards, six yards, six yards, and we just keep rolling right. it forward. But again, the, the thing that pushed me over the top on Mahomes is this season. Pat Mahomes on first down, just on first down alone. Through 21 touchdowns, which is more than Eli Manning or Matt Stafford through all yep. season. So that, I mean, it's, it's hard to some argue with the production calling, the guy put some up. Some of that's play calling, some of it's also just, he can rip it. I mean, I, I saw him when he was at altitude here when they play and he can just throw a football really, really, really far. I don't know what you want. And we'll, and it's, I think he's going to be one of the biggest names to watch next well, year because keeper leagues, obviously yeah. you and hold This is the conversation you and I were having value. off air. You broke. Remember when Peyton Manning set that record, and the next year he was a first-round pick, and we were saying no, 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 because this never returns value. This never returns value. It's literally returned value one time, and it was Peyton Manning in 2013. It was the only time a first-round pick for a quarterback would have actually made sense when you break it down by the numbers. And I feel like we're gonna sail our little humble ship into these waters where people are gonna be saying no, no, no. Patrick Mahomes has to be top ten. Has to be top ten. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just. I, I don't think I can go there with you. That's such a high price to pay for for anything. I, 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 yeah, I back to the to rookie of the year. Baker Mayfield set the all time record for touchdown passes by a rookie. He's QB. been amazing. I, you and I, you and, and I he, can't. He only started in no, half the game. real. He missed How the many first conversations four games. you and I had off air where we're like, I don't understand this. How can we not get his ownership percentage? To a respectable level. So even if he regresses, I mean, he's still going to be a big guy. Whereas with Mahomes, you're really counting on the value. It's to me, this is really eerily similar without the injury to the RG3 hype that he kind of came out of nowhere. That RG3 got propped up. He had a huge rookie season. Everybody really wanted RG3 the next year. You had to way overpay to get him. And then he fizzled. And a lot of that did have to do with the injuries in the system. But again, it's the same system. You're still relying on the guys around him. What are they going to do at running back? What happens there going forward? I think they'll figure out how to draft a guy. They also signed Damian Williams to a two-year deal uh, quietly this season. So, And then how do you want to approach the, uh, the winning aspect of it? They're concerned about winning NFL games, are they not? One would think. They're probably what? They're, they're the I would say they're probably the number two or three offense in the league, right? Maybe Saints, Rams. They're they're in them. that top three conversation because I think that's a floating number. Because if you're talking about and I would think that they're what number twenty nine, thirty in defense. Uh, yeah, they're in that neighborhood. So they're, uh, if you want to win a title, if you want to be competitive in this league, they got to get better. They got to put money into that defense, and if that defense becomes good enough that they're not getting into these shootouts, how much value does he carry anymore? So if you're paying top-end dollar for that in a redraft league or a startup league next year, I think you're going to be overpaying, and once again, we're going to be out on the money. Yeah, and for those of you who read my work, you know that every year I sit down and I write a very thoughtful article about why overpaying for quarterback makes absolutely no sense. Because in the modern NFL, there are so many options and so many guys that you can get that every year there are values, and it's just a matter of identifying. replacement value is always there. And you can get them. Now – is it going to pan out 100%? No, but that's the point of dumpster diving. You can get two. And that's the problem. Some people don't like carrying two quarterbacks. I understand that. But at the same time, if you drafted Russell Wilson, you were probably super frustrated through the beginning of the season, might have traded him, and then you didn't make the playoffs, and you were super salty. Uh, so it's just like, it, you know what I mean? It gets into that kind of argument. There's very few things. Yep. That's why I was saying last year Andrew Luck made the most sense. Comeback player of the year. Because 
you didn't have to pay a whole lot. And once we got to the third preseason game, it's like, okay, I see what Frank Reich wants to do. We're going to throw it 60 times, and you are going to run for four yards. You are not running. <laughs> Andrew Luck's like, you got it. <laughs> Back it. So with that in mind, Neil, let's talk about next year, 2019, uh, courtesy of our guy, Scott Barrett. Shout out to Scott. Here is his best guess at f- next year's first round. Way too early. PPR, 12 way too league. early. Exactly. Uh, so Saquon Barkley, number two. Todd Gurley, number one. Zeke Elliott, three. Christian McCaffrey, four. Melvin Gordon, five. Kamara, six. James Conner, seven. Uh, Antonio Brown, eight. Devontae Adams, nine. Le'Veon Bell, wherever he lands, 10. Travis Kelsey, 11. Dalvin Cook, 12. Wait, you hate DeAndre Hopkins. Wait. He's got Hopkins at 13, Michael Thomas, 14. He's got Mahomes at 16. Well, that's probably not And again, not crazy. He's, he's not saying this is rankings, no. that this is his ADP, yeah. his best, best guess, guess at ADP. ADP. Which is, again, that's yeah, the public, that's and the that's public, probably close probably to right. close. And I don't have issues with some of it, and I have major issues with parts of it. So again, I would now now to be fair, this was written, earlier this was week before, before the Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown news. Yep. yep. So we'll get, we'll qualify that in because I'm not going to crush him for that. Uh, I get that Devontae Adams was the number one wide receiver this season. I will also build in the fact, however, he didn't play Week 17, again, so that I'm actually cost Luke. him a little bit. I, I, it's hard for me to turn against no, Nuke. No, I would I can't rather do it. Nuke it's was just Nuke had the an connection with season. Watson. Nuke was two. How dominant he was. He was two. He was amazing. He had a great year, and it's the same offense. They went to the playoffs. They're not going to do anything crazy. The Texans is a stable thing. We know. Okay, and you're the Texans beat guy for the purposes of this podcast. So, correct me when I get out of line here. Everybody's coming back next year. And yep. if Demarius can't play, then we're going to possibly look at getting a real two-man, either through the draft or whatever. Yeah, they need a wide receiver. They're pro- they probably I need a corner. Think they're going to be in the Bell sweepstakes, and they're going to be looking at uh, the fixing the O line well, because the O-line. Deshaun Watson was the most sacked yeah, the quarterback in a decade. Okay, fair so, enough. Yeah. 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 So, but it's the, but it's going to be the but same even offense. still, I mean, what's interesting thing. to me is the seven. The seven running backs at the top. Yeah, it's a lot of running backs. I get some of them. The McCaffrey one I think is legit because he paid you off. I think year. that was right. good. Yeah. Gurley, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Gordon, top five. I can't argue with all of them. I will say, however, last season, remember, Todd Gurley was the number one pick this year, finishes a number one running back. That's a v- very rare thing. Yeah, last year, Todd Gurley was the number one running back. He was picked at about 20. This season, Melvin Gordon, top five running back. Christian McCaffrey, top five running back. Both were picked outside of the top ten at the position. There was always value at waiting on running back. Having this idea in people's heads that you have to jump to the front and have one of those top end running backs to solidify the position is just ludicrous. Well, it's the old model. It's it's people who exactly standard. You know what I mean? I get it to a certain extent. It's people that played standard for years and years where they were used to having an Adrian Peterson that would just lock down running back and you could literally just phone it in at receiver and just hope you got a guy who caught a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, I get that. But in PPR, the math changes. So you got to be ready. And the uncertainty of the Saints scares me about Kamara as we talked about. I would have way higher than Connor Bell. I would have have Nuke at six. Way up higher. Like, I would have. Yeah. If it's me, I'd have him at six, right behind the top five running backs. Probably in that neighborhood. I'd probably go Nuke, Adams, and then Kamara, Connor, and then think about Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, depending on where Bell is. Yeah, well, that's that's it. If he lands in Indianapolis like he wants to, he could be a top five guy. Oh, man, that would be amazing. Like, just for in general. He could go right back to being a top five guy. Andrew Luck would benefit. As a a fantasy player, that would be fantastic. As a a Texans fan, that would be horrible. Yeah, you'd be crying to sleep. Because, yeah, oh, absolutely. (laughs) Because I got news for you. You got to be quaking in your boots about this game. It's the exact game you don't want is in that that wild card game. Texans got to play the Colts. This is absolutely the worst case scenario for the Texans trying to make an actual playoff run here. So I feel bad. 
a little bit for you guys because that's like the worst. No, you don't. No, I don't. No. I don't. I don't. I, I actually hope Andrew Luck drops a forty burger. <laughs> so it's oh, it's that's a, rude. So rude. <laughs> it's, it's this thing. But but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I would have. There's a lot to go through. A lot to work is. on. Uh, I would just say again, keep up with us. Important nonsense. We got a lot of stuff coming through. Shout out to our guy Aiden, Aiden who has yep. re-upped with us. He nice. will be back one in 2019. Time, yeah. One last time for 2018 and 2019, Aiden. Good work. We appreciate so you, at man. FF aware. We appreciate it. Aiden will be back. Another we will see you at the fantasy convention, provided that the fantasy convention is still a thing. Exactly. Oh yeah, anyone going to the fantasy convention this year? Look we will up. be there. Come, come we will be up. there, walking about. It's gonna be fun. And then of course, follow us on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve at nonsense underscore Neil at important nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. We will have news and stuff throughout the off season of everything going on. Make sure you watch the website and stuff going through the website and. Just uh, looking forward to uh, to everything in the offseason. Follow up with everything with us here for fantasy, and uh, we'll be back. Regular schedule in July. We'll be back, yep. Get a nice little break here, little break, otherwise. A little six-month break, but keep your eyes out. Free agency starts up. Combine starts up. But uh, one last time, have a seven months. <laughs> there you go. Uh, until we talk to you next, keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.